Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We are your lore masters. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we are continuing our coverage on Spelljammer. The fifth edition version of the campaign setting comes out in just a few days. And we are very excited. It's it's D&D in space. Yes. Which, in space! Which, if... You've never thought, like, man, this game is awesome. You know what would make it even better? Like, what if we were in outer space? Then I don't, I don't know. I don't, you're not thinking big enough, basically. You're not, right? You need to think bigger. And uh, we are joined. What's that? Beyond your bubbles. So beyond yeah. the bubbles, beyond, beyond the, the crystal sphere, beyond the crystal sphere. Um, so, yeah, we're going to discuss, um, like, what. Uh, has gone on in the Spelljammer realm uh, between AD&D, between its last officially official release in the mid-90s to uh, to today. And we've got a, a special guest to help us out with that. We are joined by the bipolar dice roller himself. Bipolar from Twitch fame. You may know him as Robert. <laughs> you may know him as Bipolar from his uh, campaign that he streams on Twitch. Uh, he's worked with the Living Greyhawk folks. He, he's worked with uh, all manner of of heavy movers and shakers in the in the D and D and tabletop role playing game community. Uh, he is one of the organizers for JammerCon next week. It's an all day uh, spell jammer extravaganza. Like we'll have more information on, on that uh, during the middle of the show. But yeah, we're joined by by Robert by Bipolar. Say hi. Hello, everybody. I'm. Rob, the Bipolar Dice Roller, Dungeon Master and Producer for the Twitch-streamed actual play game Spelljammer Tears of the Moon, and uh, one of the lead producers for JammerCon. So yeah, it's cool to be here. It's cool to be on the D&D Lorecast. I'm excited. Well, we're, we're excited to have you simply because we get to talk more Spelljammer. Um, the reason we asked you to be a part of this episode, like in uh, the first part of our, our Spelljammer uh, coverage uh, Mary and I discussed the uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Spelljammer set. You know the the mm-hmm. the lore behind that, some of the races that they introduced as part of that campaign. But that was that came out in 1989. I think the last bit of content was like 94 or 95 that came out for it. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's been a hot minute. It's it's been it's been several decades since we've gotten like actual official, mm-hmm. officially official Spelljammer content. And and now in the in the year 2022, we're seeing a brand new campaign setting for fifth edition. Um, and so we asked we asked you to step in and and talk with us because your your expertise is in that that period of time between AD and D and now that that sort of uh, uh, wild west era of Spelljammer, <laughs> <laughs> the wilderness, yeah, the dark ages, for sure. So uh, I mentioned there's no like officially official 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 uh, Spelljammer content. There was a there was a module, there was an adventure uh, that Paizo released for uh, right after third edition came out. So it's it's part of the D20 system. Uh, do you care to talk a little about a little bit about that? Uh, honestly, um, it I, I guess you could say that it's sort of the, uh, a, a black sheep when it comes to the like overall Spelljammer lore connective universe, um, particularly in that I think it has to be kind of, so far as I recall it, it's a campaign that took place post Sundering or post Spell Plague. Am I, mm-hmm. am I correct in recalling that? Uh, in, in, in other words, um, a, uh, a bizarre state for Spelljammer to be in, particularly considering the uh, kind of transition of time between the end of AD&D cycle and the, you know, the resumption then of the timeline as it progressed in third edition, 3.5, right? Um, we went from, uh, if I can't, uh, you're probably better at uh, recalling the exact dates on the timeline here, uh, but somewhere in the early, like, 14th century DR onwards to late 14th century DR around, uh, you know, time of spell plague, uh, or at least the second spell plague, as, as as far as I'm recalling it, um, it's it, a lot. A lot of people, I suppose, don't consider it uh, as as such as you say, like truly canonical, um, truly official. Particularly because uh, it was produced by what was at the time, like uh, essentially, I, I can't remember what what at what point Paizo. Um, truly left the, you know, the the corporate arm of Wizards of the Coast, but um, at, at least was a sister company, right? Uh, that was right. working on um, adjacent content with yeah, Wizards of the Coast, very much hand in hand. And if it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't official. It was sort of like blessed, you know. Like- yeah, for sure. Um, so I think a lot of people um, uh, kind of classify it as such like semi-canonical uh for the uh the old, old heads of the uh the the spelljammer community they would uh, probably insist that it's not but um for for newer individuals so uh for instance myself i i discovered spelljammer as somebody who hadn't really approached dungeons and dragons with my full attention until you know i i was out of high school and uh, by that point it was Pathfinder and 4E that were dominating the uh, the the tabletop market. So uh, my first encounter with 
with it is uh is uh, so far as i i recall um what was it called a shadow of the spider moon i believe yeah. was the the full title um yeah. and it's found in the old polyhedron magazine issue 151 yes. um one of one of the big transitions i think something that um uh people kind of use as a maybe a, a little bit of a stick to beat it with even though i um i i'm a fan of andy collins's work who i believe was the lead uh, designer for shadow of the spider moon yeah and one of the, the main architects of 3.5 or th- third edition in 3.5 ab- absolutely um you know a, a very influential figure within the industry um is that the aesthetic of Spelljammer changed so vastly between um what the original box set law book of the void etc jeff grubb's uh, original line of Spelljammer content to shadow of the spider moon um in particular the to the ship design um they if you take if you look at the uh, the contrasting designs between how um andy collins's project displayed even like the elven ships right which are so iconic to Spelljammer, the uh, the man of war the elven flitter uh, the armada etc they went from these kind of vast sprawling uh, insectoid-like designs to these more, uh, uh, I, I guess, I guess familiar would be the expression you'd use. Uh, uh, not, not necessarily generic because they were very fantastical, and I, I, in my, in my opinion, it's a beautiful design um, of these almost like ship come like insectoid embellishments, right? Like these huge spatial barges that uh, looked more like aircraft carriers than butterflies right so i think that's one of the the big evolutions or potentially um uh points of friction for people was um the difference in aesthetic and design right it was a lot less um uh i I wouldn't call it silly a lot of people like to use the expression silly when um kind of describing older spell jammer designs um i'd say more whimsical whimsical is the (laughs) It's the expression you I can't use. it's it's you'd be hard pressed not to describe the dwarven citadel not as silly okay all right all right all right yes yeah yeah there, there are exceptions you know we've got like the swan ship from eye of the maelstrom roger e. moore's novel that uh i mean a, a bunch of kender sitting in a like essentially a, a lake uh paddle boat is pretty hilarious um but but stuff like the the, the Manor Wars, um, which I believe in fifth edition we're now going to be calling Star Moths, or uh, so oh, that might have even been in beyond the I can't remember off the top of my head. It might even be in Shadow of the Spider Moon that they used to call um, these ships by various different names. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it was a it was a, a rather large departure from what had been seen previously maybe um an attempt to make the 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 setting cooler and uh, broadly more appealing to a general audience um i think a, a lot of stuff in the transition between 2e and 3.5 can kind of be seen as a in, in a way maturing to what we see now in fifth edition um i mean there's there's also something to be said about just the the sensibilities of that time of that era. I mean, this, yeah. you look at the artwork in um, this, this issue of polyhedron for um, shadow of the spider moon. 
And it's very much in, and if like, I'm a big comic book fan. And so it's very much in keeping with the sort of comic book style that was in vogue at the time. Whereas a lot of the artwork from Adventures in Space, AD&D edition, you know, that, that sort of 80s, like line art, it was much more typical. You know, it's, it's almost, it's kind of, um, Mm. it can be sort of like jarring, like going back and reading like old, like 80s comic books and looking at the art. Mm. And it's sort of like this, um, yeah, just, it's, it's very different from what, uh, we're used to now. I think, I think didn't, didn't the, uh, that polyhedron comic came out in 2002 around that time. Right. So early 2000s. So when that kind of like very pop pulpy, uh, comic art style was in vogue Mm -hmm. and yeah, definitely shadow, uh, shadow of the spider moon is a, um, you know a, a a scion of that art style um I, I if i recall the cover is of a um a dark elf stood by a uh, this almost like mosaic style window that looks out upon the expanse of wild space yeah. um, and it has that like mm-hmm. that allure and that 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 darker tone that i feel like w- was present in certain facets of Spelljammer uh previously but i definitely feel like the we only got 50 pages, right? Like Shadow of the Spider-Man was a, a very short um, kind of window into what the advancement of Spelljammer could have been. Um, but it definitely seemed like they were trying to usher in that more serious, uh, dark undertone. But I guess that's kind of synonymous with anything you do with Dark Elves in, um, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, particularly at that time of uh, Dungeons and Dragons' you know, development cycle with influences from Drista Erden and uh, other such iconic dark elven characters that were bouncing around back then right right and that's a that's a, you're speaking of a sort of some of the older heads kind of um this being a, like a black sheep of the spell jammer uh yes. content can, canon content and whether or not it is or it isn't some of the old heads sort of look at it as maybe not um the fact that drow are involved that uh, dark elves are involved is is a point of contention whereas you know they, I don't think they use any Niyogi. You know, you, they didn't use any no. of the um, unique races and monsters and creatures that they created in the second edition mm-hmm. Spelljammer, but rather went with standard third edition monster manual creatures. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 hard to talk about because we're obviously this is the law cast, right? And we want right. to discuss uh, the law of these particular segments. But um, the one thing I will say, uh, particularly as someone who went back and played 3.5, the uh, the mechanical t- content that that passage offered was actually really interesting, right? You got you were offered all these like prestige classes, like Spelljammer Ace and um, and and other such kind of highly flavored, um, exotic, setting specific mechanic toolkit that you could have um, you could have employed in your own, you know. Uh, nuanced d20 style spell jammer game um and uh, just just to wrap back around to the point about using dark elves in spell jammer as opposed to neogi um scro vodoni whatever it might be these classic kind of like four spell jammer bad guys um which obviously we live in a world that's more nuanced in its uh, approach to fantasy now but back then that was kind of how it was looked at uh, the the fact that dark elves were used um, is another is another interesting uh, kind of space to think about because um, in the original I don't know uh, 
how how kind of this is just from the top of my head from discussions with people who know much more about Spelljammer than I. Uh, people such as Old Dragon and Paul Westermeyer and Night Druid, to name a few. Big Mac, David Shepherd, uh, another drow- spell, another JammerCon organizer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the 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 brain it's his brainchild, so I have to give him a shout out. Yeah. Um, the the drow were mentioned, or the the dark elves were mentioned fleetingly in mm-hmm. the original AD and D um, box set and further lore books and monster manuals, etc adventures um and there was almost this like preclusion to the idea that the dark elves were separate from what the dark elves were at the time in second edition right um it was almost like the uh, from this this law perspective right of uh these you know we don't have to go into the weeds of how drow became drow and uh you know surface elves continued to uh, kind of be exarchs of coral and etc um, but the the story of the you know the imperial elven navy the, the the elves of space is that they were elves who instead of um, you know migrating from the uh, from the Feywild and uh, you know populating areas such as like Mithranor and uh, the elven woods that uh, have became so kind of ingrained in our conscious today, there were this group of elves that instead went we're going to space and see so yeah, right? instead of going around they went up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, so far as, uh, as as people kind of recall it, the Dark Elves weren't separate in society at that point, right? They were still just elves together. Um, and thus, it was, it's, it's theorized by a lot of Spelljammer uh, fans and uh, people who kind of read the uh, these small excerpts in the books that there were Dark Elves in space too right um whether they were part of the elven imperial navy or whether they had their own kind of class of spell jammers and uh unique spell jammer culture society was interesting and i think that one of the complaints a lot of people have in um with uh the shadow of the spider moon is that it kind of laid back into those um common drowish tropes Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Drow, spiders, um, hand in hand. Um, whereas I think a lot of people were hoping, or at least people I speak to, uh, I'm, this isn't coming. This isn't coming from a personal place. Um, is that they were hoping to see a different dynamic for the drow in space, uh, or the dark elves in space, more accurately. Um, and that was certainly not how the um, the adventure presented them. Right sort of went mm-hmm. back to the the tried and true representation of of what uh yeah. what you know what we're expected or what we've what, been expecting which at the time i think was you know probably a, a decent kind of decision in regards to trying to introduce something potentially new to a a a, a substantial amount of people who for over 10 over 10 years nearly 10 years haven't seen spell jammer right by this point trying to usher in a new new age of the setting so you know you're already trying to present all these ideas of magical arcane space do you really need to now kind of mess with people's conceptions of uh of a race that they're very familiar with right that was probably more or less what led to that particular design decision to keep the drow more like uh as we know them 
And so we have this uh, this module that comes out, and that's that's about it. Like there there wasn't um, a a conversion or an adaptation no. to the D twenty system, um, and I mean it's uh, third third edition three point five lasts all um, I'd say close to a decade, a little, oh, a little a bit more. Time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then we get fourth edition. Uh, fourth edition sees the return of Dark Sun, a personal favorite of both of ours. We both what we found out, uh, which was exciting. And so like maybe also like Spelljammer, you know, they seem to be wanting to, you know, try some different things now. And again, like still nothing. There's a, there's a reference to Spelljammer ships in Manual of the Planes. Um, but it's sort of almost like an Easter egg. Like there's like almost no um, context on, right. on how they could be used. I mean, like what, how, how could you use a, a <laughs> ship that can fly through space when you're supposed to be in dungeons fighting dragons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, 4E was an interesting period for the potential reintrodu- uh, reintroduction for Spelljammer, especially now as we know it with the upcoming release of fifth edition, because we saw a lot of development around the astral plane, right? We saw mm-hmm. the gif of the astral sea flying around in spaceships that, well, they weren't spaceships. They were astral ships that looked very much like fancy spell jammers. Right. Right. Um, so you almost think that, I, I think uh, I may be wrong on this, um, but I, I believe Chris Perkins had some involvement in these projects as he did with the Dark Sun project because Chris Perkins is a, a big proponent and a big fan of both Dark Sun, uh, the astral plane as a setting, and also Spelljammer, right? right. Um, and thus has become one of the lead designers on what we're going to see as our fifth edition Spelljammer. Uh, and I feel like this was the 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 burgeoning, you know, the 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 undercurrents that we are now seeing take full realization in fifth edition, right? Uh, first, it was just Gith in galleons that floated upon the astral winds. And now it's, it's all manner of spell jammers, right. you know, your classic hammerheads, your, um, your squid ships, tradesmen's, right. what have you. Right, right. Um, so what, what I find interesting is this, I mean, like you said, you got into D and D and TTRPGs, um, right around the time of of Pathfinder fourth edition. So, um, Mm -hmm. but from what I can understand, Spelljammer itself wasn't all that commercially successful uh, when it, when it came out for advanced Dungeons and dragons, it was one of those, um, just didn't really take as well as yeah i guess tsr would have hoped but mm. you know much like myself you know when i found out about it i you know i was you know wizards had promised us uh three new or three reintroduced campaign settings over the next two years and mm-hmm. based on their uh attention and, and sort of focus on the multiverse i was certain that Spelljammer, this thing that i heard of called Spelljammer from like 15 years before I started playing was going to be one of them. And I remember sending, um, uh, I, uh, uh, my friend who used to help me host the show, uh, crit, I uh, sending him a DM in on discord. And I'm like, 
it's going to be Spelljammer. And we need to start researching because we need to have some Spelljammer episodes <laughs> ready for when they release it. And and sure enough. And so that's, that's when I started, you know, reading up on Spelljammer and I immediately fell in love. So I can definitely see why, you know, it has, you know, personally, I can, I can understand why it has sort of stood the test of time and why now, like almost 30 years later, we're getting a new version. But, you know, why do you think Spelljammer has resonated so greatly with members of the of the D D community uh so I, I feel like this is like kind of a two prong question so the first is like why has Spelljammer returned right and the second is why have people clung on to it in the way they have um and i think i can probably more accurately answer the second as someone who has done you know my whatever my small part is in uh, you know, being a part of the fan community that has uh, sustained Spelljammer, at least in fifth edition, um, is that Spelljammer offers something entirely unique. Uh, well, perhaps entirely is, is an overstatement, but at least in terms of uh, the TTRPG market and uh, more modern examples of what is its genre, which I think is a, a big kind of uh misconception for a lot of people who haven't read the original manuals is that it's a space fantasy setting right not right. science fiction right. not it's... science fantasy it's explicitly space fantasy right um there's no real technology involved it's all magic in space right, right. and it's i think that it's not trying to be star trek it's not trying to be star wars yeah. mm -hmm. like starfinder uh, is something wholly different that's that's it but this is this is my point i feel like if it hadn't kind of encapsulated the imagination of fans in that way people would have found other systems and other settings to latch onto right if if spelljammer was a science fiction setting you know people would be playing um you know stuff like dark matter and uh perhaps potentially even as you say starfinder uh, if it was a space uh, sorry science fantasy setting people would be playing star wars ttrpg uh and like kind of transitioning to other other realms but because this this setting is so kind of flavor specific and so uh on its own um it i don't feel like anything else has ever scratched the itch for people who enjoyed spelljammer i think people enjoyed spelljammer because it gave them a freedom and a potential for endless possibilities in what was at that point in Dungeons and Dragons Psychway, very like closed shop system, right? You had you had the Forgotten Realms, you had uh well, you know, Toral, Faerun, uh Granda, you had Grey Space, Greyhawk, O Earth, you had Mistara, you had Dragon Lance, you had Dark Sun, right? But they were all very isolated from each other. Right. Um, you know, and I think that's maybe one preclusion as to why Ravenloft was quite popular as well, because Ravenloft was like kind of a, a linking factor for certain settings. Yep. Um, While also having like it's very much its own yeah, flavor. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that is a, a huge draw. It doesn't alienate people, right? You can love Greyhawk and love Spelljammer because above the world of Oerth is a, a, a void of wild space for you to explore, right? You, Toral, the same. Every setting has space around it. Well, potentially most settings right um and so it kind of became a uh, like a meeting point a crossroads for for everyone to connect over um i've never had as like kind of intriguing conversations between 
people who are like diehard fans of like particular settings and over Spelljam, which is kind of like this glue that keeps people together. Well, you heard it from Bipolar. The most mm. interesting people are Spelljammer fans. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not saying <laughs> That's that. That's what I heard. Uh, I mean, you know, don't don't misquote me. I mean, it's true, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 great. Um, from a personal standpoint, it's led to like collaborating with people that I never thought I would meet. Right, like we're sitting here right now as uh, two people or three people, sorry, who have who have met over Spelljammer. Um, it, it allowed me to connect as a someone who is pr- predominantly as someone who's focused their attention on, on 5e to a uh, you know streamers who focus on second edition and some by extension fifth edition Greyhawk right stuff I I never thought I'd kind of penetrate into but now it's uh, it's all unlocked by this medium that is quite literally the the void the astral sea the phlogiston between right that's that's what it is the phlogist in between i like that mm-hmm. um no yeah the the, <laughs> the, the um, only reason that i got linked up with with you and the other folks over at JammerCon was um you know our mutual friend adam seats uh yeah. recent any award winner for one night strad and Brilliant. uh when we we've had a couple of conversations and we kind of like gushed over our mutual love for spell jammer and once JammerCon started you know you know, for fermenting, they messaged me and were like, Hey, like there's something going on. Do you want to be part of it? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, even no, if, sure. like, even if I'm not helping with the organization, I definitely want to be trumpeting that, that call for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and then the question I guess is why, why now, why bring it back? Um, and this is now all total conjecture, you know, my own head canon, my own theories, but I think that the idea of a connective multiverse in media is a very prominent thing in the overall psyche of people yep. who mm-hmm. consume mm-hmm. fantasy mm-hmm. and superhero such content these days. So I think it only makes sense that Dungeons and Dragons has its own uh, MCU, for lack of a better expression. That's a very apt uh, theory. I, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, one that I... Um, agree with absolutely yeah for sure yeah yeah in agreement as well i think i think um just for to extend on that point obviously there's been two settings that have done what Spelljam has done um the other being planescape and i think mm-hmm. you better prepare yourself for another law cast about planescape real soon because oh that's yeah oh, already it's in the works it's already, on the horizon already in the yeah. works uh yeah we're going to uh, take it bit by bit and, uh, mm-hmm. But um, that's that's uh, that's uh, I guess, tomorrow's problem. Yeah, 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 <laughs> that's behind the curtain talk. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But for right now, we're going to take a quick break and go to the middle of the show so we can thank our patrons, head on over to the DMs Guild and do all of other fun stuff that we do during the middle of the show. Welcome to the middle of the show. The middle of the show is where we uh we like to kick back we like to relax a little bit Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. actually no we don't really relax or kick back we always have so much stuff to talk about it's true i mean if if the rest of the show is like an info dump of lore this is like an info dump of like cool stuff that's going on in D D. 
But uh, mm-hmm. first and foremost, we want to thank our patrons. Uh, thank you so much, everyone who has signed up uh, to support the show um, on Patreon from $5 all the way up to 75. We have all sorts of cool perks and benefits, uh, including stickers and t-shirts, bonus episodes, bonus content, early ad-free episodes, stuff like that. Um, And if you're able to contribute, we would greatly appreciate it because it helps uh, make the show bigger. It helps helps us grow. It helps us with all the, the wacky ideas that we have for like, uh, for like new merch or um, like we're actually uh, working with uh, with an artist right now on a new t-shirt design mm-hmm. that we are absolutely like goo goo gaga so over excited. very exciting uh, and that you know hopefully we get that out and it's just the tip of the iceberg of what we want to do we want to uh, we have a like you know a lot of cool cool ideas and Signing up for the Patreon helps us uh, accomplish those. And of course, if you are not in a position where you can sign up for the Patreon, but still want to help the show out, very much appreciated and several different ways you could do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, Interacting with us on Twitter, the uh, Mm -hmm. at at D&D Lorecast Twitter account. Uh, signing up for the Robots Radio Network Discord and talking with us there. Uh, and also just good old-fashioned word of mouth, just telling a friend. I actually That's had funny. a coworker. Um, I mentioned how like, you know, it's like a Friday, like sort of Teams chat where everyone's like, well, hey, was anyone doing anything cool this weekend? And I'm like, I'm playing a ton of D&D this weekend uh, for Gen Con. And a couple, um, someone who I was, uh, had like passing familiarity with, but had never mm-hmm. really spoken with, was like, oh, it's awesome. I'm so excited for Spelljammer. I'm like, oh my God, it's all I. And then someone else jumped in. I don't know who this other guy was, but that guy who I kind of knew, uh, it was his last day at work, which is like, oh, sad face. Oh no. I know. But if you're listening, I did give him, obviously, I'm like, hey, here's the podcast that, uh, that I, that I co-host. Um, so if you're listening, Hey, what's going on? Hope everything is going well for you. Um, but yeah, all those links to all that stuff are in the show notes if you are interested in in any of that. Um, and then, of course, we've got some uh, some book news. Last week, we had the brand new Dragonlance book, uh, Dragons of the Seat, the first Dragonlance book in very long time. Uh, and then this week we've got another, another, speaking of books that we don't have to wait for, we got another Dritz book, Glacier's Edge, book two of the Way of the Drow series by Ari, uh, Ari Salvatore is out today uh, on the 9th. Uh, I've just found out that if you go to barnesandnoble.com, you can order a signed copy of the book signed by Salvatore himself. That's pretty awesome. Which is very cool. And uh if you are a fan of the Dritz books, uh, definitely keep an ear out to the the D and D Lorecast. We've got some uh, some cool stuff coming up with uh, that has to do with the Legend of Dritz series. Yes. And then, of course, it wouldn't be a middle of the show without uh, some perusal into the homebrew realm of the Dungeon Masters Guild. And this week's entry 
is one actually that Mary turned me on to. Uh, Mary, uh, well, you you're a huge fan of the Dark Dice podcast, I, right? I really am. Yes, unreasonably obsessed <laughs> in a healthy way. And Travis <laughs> Vengroff uh, worked with a couple of other folks to write the Domain of the Nameless God adventure campaign. This is a horror-themed campaign for D&D 5th edition. The uh, plot is, uh, is there are missing children, and you are in charge of rescuing them before you lose your sanity. Mm-hmm. It's one of these, it's like very much cosmic horror, very much uh, um, like the idea of... Uh, sort of like a uh it's hard how how would you describe it so i would go into psychological horror there you go that's yeah would would be how i would personally describe it um it's it's built to instead of you just fighting more and more and more difficult people or difficult you know monsters um you get weaker you start to have insanity there's betrayal happens there's it's just absolutely if you're into horror if you're into like that kind of thing then this is 100 percent up your alley and you will not be sorry it's an adventure for third and fourth level characters um like you mentioned that like it's got um like losing your sanity plays a large like your character losing their sanity plays a large part into it there are new rules for that new magic items hideous monsters and the entire adventure takes about 10 hours to complete. So it's about uh, either one long session or, uh, you know, two to three shorter sessions, which mm-hmm. um, at my age, it's hard for me to to sit still for, you know, for any, any, any length of time. Yeah. Take those uh, breaks to rest your uh, knees and hips there, old man. Or... Def- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I had a, uh, a coworker of mine. Uh, a millennial like very much within uh the not a millennial uh gen z very much within like the the uh the year the year range for gen z uh compliment my gif game you know and like you always have like the like the best gifs and that almost made up for the fact that i always have to use armrests to get out of chairs Uh, without and grunting as well my wife reminded me like and you also grunt you're also there's always like a oh good I feel I feel seen and attacked (laughs) all the same time (laughs) all the same time but yeah domain of the nameless god uh it's I have yet I've I I own it I haven't played it because I just bought it whenever Mary told me about it she's like you need to buy this adventure right now um it looks Mm -hmm. freaking incredible uh, it'll probably be one of the next adventures uh, I run for my group of friends. And uh, hopefully it's as spooky as advertised. Absolutely can be. That being said, let's go ahead and jump back into the show. Welcome back to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. We're sitting with the bipolar dice roller, bipolar, aka Robert from uh, JammerCon. JammerCon is a all day jam spell jammer extravaganza. There are a dozen or so games being played throughout the day. Mm-hmm. There are uh, giveaways, there are panels. 
with special guests, including one very special guest. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, Jeff Grubb, who wrote the original Spelljammer campaign setting, will be uh, the guest of honor for Jam- for JammerCon. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to uh, for all the information yeah, to sign up for a game if there's still space available. Last mm-hmm. I checked, um, several games were already full, and and uh, the ones that remained were already you know getting filled up. So if you're interested at all in playing some Spelljammer on August 20th, then head on over to Warhorn and sign up for JammerCon. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun because it's the weekend that the fifth edition Spelljammer campaign setting comes out. And so that we're going to talk a little about a little bit about that sort of um, look uh, look into our crystal ball, uh, ponder our orbs so to speak, <laughs> and see what fifth edition has what kind of changes they might have in store for Spelljammer, and uh, you know what this means as a whole for Dungeons and Dragons. You know, uh, Bipolar mentioned this sort of uh, focus on a a multiverse type look um, at the game in an era when having that sort of idea is very prominent in the psyche of, of uh, pop culture uh, co- consumers. Mm-hmm. So what's, uh, what do you, what are you expecting next week when Spelljammer drops? I mean, so I, I should preface what I say next with the fact that uh, I have maybe seen some people were uh, looking through the review copies of the upcoming box set. I mean, so, we record this. We are less, we are less than a week yeah. <laughs> out of, from the release of the official release. So review copies are out. Right. And we will do endeavor to make sure that we provide spoiler warnings for anything that potentially is locked in for the official release. Um, but what we do know, and I, I don't think any of this is a, should be noted as a spoiler is that we're seeing the return of a whole a myriad of Spelljammer creatures, right? Yes. Iconic ones like the Gif, the the Thrycreen, the Doa, uh, amongst others. I believe there's a a, a Murderoid or an uh, Asterita. I can't remember exactly what name they've um, they've they've come up with for this beholder that looks like an asteroid that each ships now in fifth edition but um we've seen art of it as well already right. on um, some of the Spelljammer like streams and uh law videos cool. that they've already released themselves or even yeah like exactly i was gonna say like they have they right. have a series of different videos talking about some of the new races like you said like you mentioned like the the yeah. gif the the thrykeen uh plasmoids uh, autonomes, uh, astral elves, stuff like that. So Hado this is, Z. Yeah. yeah, this is, uh, this is content that is, um, definitely, um, you know, work that the layman isn't familiar with, you know, those who, uh, who I guess, you know, aren't, um, writing articles or reviews of, of Spelljammer. Yeah. Um, but this, you know, you can just head on over to, to D and D's official YouTube page and see, you know, Chris Perkins talking all about them. Yeah. For sure. Um, uh, beyond that, though, one of the the most uh, intriguing notes from the contents of the monster manual section of the box set is that we are seeing a lot of dark sun creatures return. We are That's, seeing the yeah that that makes 
that makes like butterflies in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> We're seeing the megapede return, uh, the gage, right? Those uh, aberrant skull insectoid creatures that roam the desert um among amongst a few others uh, i don't think we're seeing an erdlu or um anything of that nature but uh stuff that you would definitely pluck from athos and say this could work in an astral spell jammer setting right? right these like aberrant uh bizarre monstrosities um so that is something really cool and that kind of leads into the next section which is the 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 more lore heavy book the book with the uh, the mechanics for wild space uh, the astral sea and for what is now known as material planes rather than crystal spheres right we right. don't have crystal spheres anymore uh, so far as we know there is no phlogiston i mean the astral sea may have some functions of the phlogiston that uh, are recalled but i i personally don't believe that's the case i just don't want to say whether this is for sure without being for sure yeah that um, was that was our theory that the, the right. astral sea mm-hmm. had replaced the phlogiston yeah that's I mean, that's it, almost 100 percent. yeah i mean it's something that is already part of the consciousness of something that's already familiar mm-hmm. and and sort of can serve as a as a proxy right um and and we have seen the introduction of two new spaces right these uh these uh these material planes amongst the the wild space uh the first being one that has been dubbed doom space which for a time in an article written on dnd beyond was actually called athos space so a lot of people again are making the connection to this uh particularly unique sounding uh material plane that features in the book uh, and the other i believe is zorex space which is named after the titular uh, character who's on the book of the um, the adventure section of the box set, right? The uh, astral elf who features mm. on the cover. Uh, so I believe that may be, um, again, I, this is just technically conjecture, but again, an educated guess, uh, that Zorix space is the, the seat of power for the new astral elf race of beings. So. Right. It's interesting that we that there are these connections to Athos and to Dark Sun, to the Dark Sun campaign setting, because it was actually wholly separate from Spelljammer in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it uh, that and Ravenloft. Um, it was for whatever reason, um, you know, in in lore wise, uh, the reasons were unknown. Um, mm-hmm. But for whatever editorial reason, they decided to keep those separate from Spelljammer, uh, yeah. not allow, um, you know, uh, giant dwarven citadels to show up on Athos. Right. And I think obviously that was to keep the kind of uh, the integrity of a resource starved setting intact. Right. right. Like that was it would have totally messed with the the immersion of uh, <laughs> of, of Athos if some giant fleet came down with, you know, all manner of magic in a place where you had to defile or preserve. Um, but right. the the uh, there's one really interesting note. So obviously we know that crystal spheres don't exist as we once knew them, right, in the setting. But there is a section in the Doom Space part of that book that mentions that there used to be a crystal sphere around Doom Space, but the gods convened to destroy it. Interesting. 
another reason why people think that it's Athos, because obviously there was this special thing that stopped everyone from spell jamming to Athos, and now it's been destroyed, and we're stuck with, I believe, a black hole at the center of the universe of Doom Space, right? It's uh, the idea is that maybe the Sorcerer Kings went a little bit too far and completely starved the sun. Finally, finally uh, put an end <laughs> right. to that. Um, which no would more be, halfling superiority. Yeah. Uh, which would be disappointing to say the least, because I love me some Dark Sun. For sure. No, <laughs> I, 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 I totally agree. Um, but I don't think that that's the means to say that you know the the in between times, uh, particularly for like stationary settings like Eberron and uh, Dragonlance, where we've seen Fifth Edition just keep it where it was in previous right. editions. If they were to ever do a uh, you know, a, a dark sun setting, they could just resume it from the fall of tear, right? And progress from there, uh, as as the novels did, right? But it depends on whether the novels were canon or not. Canon or not, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so what else, what else can we expect from from this? Uh, it's it's uh, not, uh, you know, if you're if you're a long time, if you're one of the old heads, uh, mm. this sort of um, format might not seem all that strange to you like having like been used to like getting the old box sets um but you know we got a campaign setting we've got a bestiary and we've got a, an adventure all in a slipcase um what else can we expect from fifth edition spell uh, so so the first thing that i will say especially seeing as this is the dnd lore cast is that it seems like the law the old law is either being revised or left alone, right? And I think for obvious reasons, right? Uh, I, I'm sure as you you both explored, uh, the law of 2E uh, Spelljammer was pretty dark. Um, <laughs> there was some pretty, uh, pretty rough things that happened uh, yep. that probably wouldn't get written today, right. um, at least without a lot of caveats. Um, so firstly, it looks as though the IEN, the Imperial Elven Navy, as we knew it, is no longer a thing. Um, either retconned and replaced by the Astral Elves and their Navy, or, um, or you know, kind of these two things are the separate. Uh, one interesting case is that it does seem, at least in the in this spoiler alert. Here now, I'm going to say a spoiler. <laughs> um, the 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 navy is being framed as the villain, right? The astral mm -hmm. navy is being framed as a villain in um, in the adventure book. Which in second edition it was a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh, it was a collective of people voting and almost like a a large network of of different elven forces across the the multiverse. Um, but now it's like more of a just a a power base from one material plane that kind of goes out and uh you know does particularly naughty things evil things um so if you don't if if, if you're sad that the ien is gonna be no longer um maybe you know you can pick up the astral elves and tweak it a little bit to your taste so that they resemble what we once knew a little bit better um interestingly from the spelljammer academy uh 
release on D&D Beyond. We have uh, this spell jamming academy that exists on Nimbral, uh, a island just northwest of Cholt, I believe. Um, so it seems like spell jamming is going to be a lot more present in like the overall consciousness of the groundlings, right? Right. Uh, maybe it's a little bit less incognito than it was in certain settings and areas as it was once before which i kind of like i never never really bought into the or oh, secret spaceship society mentality i always thought it was cool to like it's very much it's it's not know. something that is like is it that's you know very prevalent but it's yeah. um you know i guess like it's like like hollywood you know uh it's like you know it's there you know it exists it's something that like most people know about um but you don't have yeah. any like, rarely do you have like a direct connection to it unless you seek it out yeah when, when people ask me like well if everyone knows about spell jammers why doesn't everybody like get on one and, and fly one and be a part of it i'm like do you know how to fly a jet fighter yeah like, like, <laughs> like you know, are you, a, every- you an astronaut not everyone yeah. wants to live that life. Yeah, not everyone can. Not everyone does. You know, it's 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 multifaceted. Um, the one the one the one thing that I think uh, a lot of people are concerned about is the um, uh, so obviously the cosmology of Spelljammer was kind of watertight in a way. Um, we had very few instances of deities or deific figures transitioning between core settings right um mm-hmm. there's there's some examples of it right the Mulhorandi pantheon in um in Faerun, uh patar who was like a featured kind of almost like planeswalkerish god uh throughout the ad and d cycle of Spelljammer. um but more or less um the function of the crystal spheres and phlogiston was built in such a way as to stop gods from being able to like vie in different spheres of each other, right? You've got like Paylor in gray space, Lathander in the same kind of position in, in Toral. Um, what would it now look like if there is no barrier, right? Which is seem seemingly now there is no barrier. It's just all connected. Um, so that's my most interesting uh, question I would pose to the designers of fifth edition Spelljammer is, are we going to, are these gods not messing with each other because they're too busy you know, in their own uh, spheres of influence to kind of even think about trying to uh, supersede someone else in another plane of existence? Or do they just, they do exist there and every god now exists on every uh, material plane? Or do they exist, but every god of every kind of domain is the same god, but they have a different name on this plane, right? Like Lathander is Paylor, just a different avatar. so that like would be the, a really like Roman and Greek mythology. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's the that's the big question I think that uh, the design decisions of Five E Spelljammer are asking people. But we get clowns in space, so that's pretty cool. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I sent uh, I sent the um, the image in uh, the Robots Radio Discord where there is a D and D lore cast uh, text channel. Uh, I had to put a, a spoiler. Um, sort of cover on it because uh that could be terrifying the especially that's a trigger that's a trigger for a lot of people it's uh yeah it's not um i mean and i have no problem with the clowns but it's still it's not the most pleasant right. thing to look at i'll admit <laughs> i feel like spelljammer is going to have to come with a litany of like 
sensitive topic warnings, right? You're going to have clowns in space. You have uh, Neogi and Illithids running, running rampant around the setting classically. Um, and, and now we've got these kind of like elven superiority gone wild astral elves. Like there's a lot of, um, of terrifying things to be found in space, which people will have to prepare themselves for, particularly the clowns. In particular, and, the clowns and, and vampires too. Um. So yeah, let's. Uh, I want to thank you for um before we get in before we go any further for joining us mm-hmm. this week to discuss Spelljammer. Um, please give us give us the rundown on JammerCon. Let us let us and let everyone listening, uh, let them know uh how awesome this event's gonna be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, JammerCon is taking place on the 20th of august uh, of this year 2022 um it will be a games day featuring an accompanying stream schedule that consists of uh what i believe to be some of the best and brightest of the spell jamming streaming slash podcasting community uh we got uh tons of friends of uh of the community including better than heroes uh god mode uh, ourselves as well as tales of the void fairer all contributing special episodes of our own brand of spell jammer on the day uh, and that is complemented by one very special panel uh, in which for an hour between uh, the hours of two to three pacific um, and five to six eastern that's correct right my time zones are right yes. um, we will be having a Q&A panel with none other than the uh the conceiver of Spelljammer as a setting, uh, Mr. Jeff Grubb. Uh, it will be myself and uh, Godmo Jason Surrency uh, hosting the panel. So we, we we would very much like to see everyone there who has far deeper questions than perhaps uh, I, either I or Sergio have the uh, capacity to answer. <laughs> right? You you go straight to the source. Uh, right. Come ask Jeff Grubb some questions and uh, have a good time. Um, but yeah, it's it's the first of of hopefully a few, or potentially even many instances of Jamacon, um, and people have a really good time. We wanted to start out small. Um, we we may we may well do it again um, a few more times in the future. You know, uh, perhaps in three months' time, once the dust has settled and people want to go to space again, we'll run another games day. Uh, there may be potential accompanying stream panels and um, we actually have some really cool creators in the community now who are uh, creating all manner of content for people to enjoy in fifth edition so it's become a, a fun community to be a part of if you enjoy spell jamming content no yeah and i i don't doubt that there would be even uh more people um after the after the fact after the release um mm-hmm. wanting to um show off their their homebrew spell jammer campaign or module or, or adventure um but yeah like i said it is on august 20th it is the weekend after uh spell jammer is released uh a link to the registration and to um the schedule is listed in the show notes you can also find a link to it um like on the aforementioned robots radio discord and the dungeons and dragons lore cast text channel and we'll be tweeting about it like crazy uh, leading up to the day of um, on Twitter, we are at D&D Lorecast. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm excited. I, I, when, 
when Adam first mentioned that this something like this was going to be a possibility, it was this was literally what I wanted was like I just <laughs> have a full day just full of games, full of people playing Spelljammer and talking Spelljammer. And so yeah, so I'm I'm so glad that it came together and and, and I hope that it has the the wildest of successes. Yeah, well, thank you very much. We hope that people just have a good time. You know, we just um this the the crew who were involved in the inception and then planning of this event are all people who either are you know incredibly devoted to Spelljammer or love running game states. You know, we have the folks from uh like virtual Greyhawk con and uh, Gary con uh, contributing and they've been a, a godsend. I don't think that um, I nor uh, David Shepard would have been able to have done it on our own. Um, no, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I was going to say that's, an, that's another yeah. thing is, is so many of the folks involved are, are folks that, you know, like you mentioned one, like love spell jammer and two, like know what they're doing and setting yes. that something <laughs> like, like, you know, I, like, I, I said, like, I wanted something like this and you know, the old rule of thumb is like, well, if you want something done, you should just do it yourself. Like I have no idea how to, how to do any of this. So very glad this was left to yeah. uh, the, the experts, so to speak. Yeah. Be glad that David bullied me into pushing this thing into action. Cause it was his idea. He was like, you you do streaming you can gather a community around this it's like, i don't know what i'm doing david he's like i know this guy who knows what he's doing and then zarathon came in and he taught me how to do basically everything i know how to do now <laughs> so big big props to zarathon and uh, trevor cap and ron um and adam as well for uh, teaching us a thing or two about social media marketing and the like um yeah uh, we're, we could not be happier to to have accepted the help of such talented and diligent individuals absolutely well check out the link it's a uh, like i said in the show notes to register to sign up for the games and also you can join the discord which uh is not just about the event itself but just you know in general a space to talk spelljammer to talk D in general uh it's it's a lot of fun a lot of cool folks there yeah i like that you called it a space for people to talk spelljammer uh-huh, um, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. no, it, um, it wasn't intended but maybe like somewhere uh, in the back of my mind like there's yeah. a there's there's a pun to be made here that's right that's <laughs> right yeah uh no and uh again uh a big 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 props to uh you know you guys and championing the preservation of the old lore and um kind of giving the flowers to those who came before us um i think that uh particularly when you're uh when people get to see your your previous episode um there will be a lot of love uh there's a, a huge fan base of people who still stick to second edition still play spell jammer every single week and have done for 30 plus years now so um yeah it's good to keep it keep it alive keep the torch burning so no, yeah, uh, we... hopefully the new generation will do so yeah, we're very much, uh, very much inclusive. Whether you like playing fifth edition mm-hmm. or fourth edition or third or advanced or original, whatever, whatever you like to play, let's mm-hmm. just let's just talk about it. Let's talk and have and and enjoy enjoy the game. For sure, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I, uh, it's I'm always down to to chat spell jam. I have a million theories i want to get out there um but uh you know I'll, I'll let you chew on that doom space theory for uh, a few days you know i'm sure you'll be really excited now for the release so you can flip straight to that section and see what's gone on with Athos and 
Um, I, you joke, you're smiling as you say this. <laughs> I will literally not stop thinking about that until next Tuesday. <laughs> Well, that about wraps it up for the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast this week. But before we go, Mary, what kind of magic item do you have for us this week? I have a, I'm going to shine a little light for you. Um, I have the Lantern of Jortor. The Lantern of Jortor. Yes, it is a glass and steel lantern that has been infused with some creepy dark magic. When the activation word is spoken, lantern inverts drains all light, light sources within a 60-foot area. This darkness is magical darkness. It will devour all light in its range until the activation word is spoken again. Interesting. I like that. I like that a lot. And this has uh, this has a his, this its history is its its origins. Find yourself in your campaign setting. Your um, it has not yet come into a campaign setting. But it was actually suggested as a potential item by one of my players, Mello. He's one of ah. my favorite players. Always has the best backstories. And he helps spitball so many ideas. So my creative muses has so helped me with this one. They're one of your favorite players. Who's one of your least favorite players? You know what? We won't get into that. We'll, we'll, I, we'll talk about that. I'll tell you after that. you yeah. stop recording. We'll talk after. It's fine. We'll talk. Yeah, that's that's after we stop. <laughs> that's after the show. That's for... Um, that's for our ears only. Right, um, right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. Thank you for allowing us to um, spend time with you, even if it is for the short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Everything we talked about this week, uh, there are no, uh, links for it in the show notes, whether yep. it be the DM's Guild Corner of the Week or um, the JammerCon. Uh, registration or information schedule and all that um it's going to be so much fun i mean the entire game entire day's worth of spelljammer games plus the uh the speaker panels you've got jeff grubb uh who's i mean as as big i mean when it comes to spelljammer is as big of a git as as you could find and that's it we've peaked right and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's put together by folks who genuine genuinely love the setting and act and and know what they're doing and putting together this kind of event because it's 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 great to have one or the other you know it's great to have the the, right. the passion um mm-hmm. and then you can kind of forgive if the the like the particulars like the uh yeah if it's if it's if it's a little bit off it's it's that's okay if the passion's yeah. there to help it kind of helps carry it through or if it's a like it's a humdinger of, of an event, like run smoothly, but you can tell like all oh, the people don't really care about what this is all about. Yeah, uh, it's, it's this is best of both worlds. We're having our cake and we're eating it too, and it's delicious. Spelljammer cake is the best. It does sound pretty good. I'm hungry. Well, we're gonna go eat some spelljammer cake. We're gonna go try to find Thanks. some, make some, figure out what exactly that means. It's going to be out of this world. I like that. That's wow. Okay. (laughs) And uh, that being said, my name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Until we meet again, dear listener, fare thee well. And may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DND Lorecast, 
or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.